Like you really, really need to have as much quality, honest communication day to day, but as well as about your goals and your vision. I make sure that that alignment's there and have touch back in, you know, monthly, quarterly, because that is just like such a big part of strife building companies. Rihanna Lynn's mission is no small feat to help companies get healthier and more biodiverse food to millions of people. You're about to hear how with a decade of experience in the food and technology industry, Rihanna, founder of Journey Foods, is making an impact and working to be the best, most beautifully designed food technology company in the world. Coming up, you'll hear Rihanna's experience launching her first business, Peel Juice Bar, and how this kicked off her passion for food and technology how she was inspired to start Journey Foods, and how her past ventures led her to this innovative concept. How visualization and accountability are the first most important steps Rihanna takes when launching a new business. Rihanna shares some exciting projects she has in the pipeline, her experience raising venture capital, and her best tips for staying organized and prioritizing a fundraising strategy. Why great companies are built around great culture, and how Rihanna manages to stay connected with her remote team. And finally, Rihanna shares the biggest mistake she has made in her entrepreneurial journey. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Rihanna, we are so excited to sit down with you and have a conversation about your Entrepreneurista journey I know that Journey Foods is not your first venture into starting your entrepreneurship journey. Can you share a little bit more about how you got started? I'm so happy to be here. I just realized that I do not get interviewed by enough women podcast leads. So I'm actually really excited about this. It's not balanced out here. So I love everything that you all are doing. And so I am actually a serial entrepreneur. I have been in food and technology for the past a little bit more over a decade since leaving undergrad. And, you know, when I first ventured into food, it was while I was in graduate school. I just wanted to start up a little side hustle, see if I could get with a family member of mine, see if I can get some fresh juices and raw foods to the Chicagoland area. A lot of the great places that you see on the coast, New York, San Francisco, LA, we wanted to get that vibe right into Chicago. And I was able to find a Jamba Juice that had closed down, but the area was reviving. And we launched this just very early 2021, so almost exactly 10 years ago, I think this week. And what was most fun for me was within a few months, I was able to build out our e-commerce because we were starting to sell, you know, like these package meals and package juice cleanses, which was all all the rave and still a little bit now today. But we really took off on the e-commerce side. And I just been building like little marketplaces and e-commerce shops for my friends in undergrad. And this is the first time I really got to do it for myself and see that money come in you know, why you sleep, but wake up and make something super delicious. I could wake up and juice some pineapples and ginger mm. and 
you know, find ingredients from friends from all over the world. And that was my first endeavor. And I, I had so much fun with it, but it sort of took over my life as I was in grad school. I had several professors that were not <laughs> happy with me at all, but I'm really happy that I never looked back. And what led you to start Journey Foods and how did you end that venture? Thank you for sort of extending into that. The reason why I called it Journey Foods, there's so many reasons why it's probably called Journey Foods. And I can't think of like the day that it came to me, but I'm sure part of it was my journey in food. I had been on every side from agriculture to farming to technology to starting a brick and mortar. And what I realized is that what I wanted to see in my life was that I could wake up one day and say that I helped companies and helped get better food to millions of people. And so I wanted that to be a long-term part of my career. And I thought Journey Foods would be the name of something that I could work on for many years and many decades. And then also when I launched this originally late 2017 to do the research, I still realized that with all of the great companies that I was meeting, even with working in venture capital and leading Beyond Meat through IPO, some of the other great experiences that I got over the past decade, there's still a lack of data and services for the many food businesses that are spinning out today. And I wanted to be there to help companies become the kings of their dreams. And so someone told me one time that it's better to be the kingmaker than the king, at least it's a more sustainable business model if you think about it. And that's when I really launched Journey Foods so that we can be there for this part of the industry and really drive change and nutrition and health in our food. Did you end up closing down your juice bar or that's still in existence today? So the juice bars are closed down, but we have my family members run actual production facilities. So now they're more B2B the business, which I guess is good timing and before things happen here in 2020. But yes, that business serves to directly produce, bottle, and find more operational solutions for other juice companies that exists around the Midwest. What was your first step when you started Journey Foods and figuring out the tech side of the business? To me, that sounds so complicated. You know, honestly, the first step to me starting anything, whether it's personal branding or a new business, is like holding myself accountable. And the way I do that, honestly, is I just try to launch the website and make it a little real by the domain and just sit there for an entire weekend and think about what that customer experience would be like. And I remember sitting down, spending a little money buying the domain. I think I spent like $600. And I wrote to myself in Google Keep in my notes, I wrote what I wanted my ideal press releases to look like, what they would say about what we were doing for the industry, what kind of money we were raising, what my ideas were for the company. And so it was really about the visualization and the accountability. I wanted to think of something, a business that could be successful without venture backing. And so it was just a weekend of workshopping with myself, just sort of like off in the corner, off somewhere in my house, just trying to make sure that it felt right in my soul. I think entrepreneurship is so hard and we make it look so easy sometimes with access to wonderful podcasts like yours or having beautiful Instagram profiles and all this press, but it really is a hard road. 
And so I had to sit there and think about something that was going to drive me for several years and something that made sense to the problems that I was facing or, or observing and sounded exciting to other people in the industry. And so that was just like the first step, right? Like, what have I observed in the past seven, eight years that the industry still needs? What's going to keep me ticking week in, week out every single day? And then like, what name means something to me? And that was really how I pulled together Journey Foods. And I think the first iteration of the website I made, and I would have to say, we're probably going to talk about Journey Bites here. But the first iteration of the website I made, I just wanted to know like, how many fruits are there in the world? Like how many species are there? And what does that mean? Like, if I think about my experience traveling, for example, to Africa, West Africa, Senegal to be exact, I tried like baobab and African hibiscus. And I always wondered like, wow, these ingredients are mostly organic. They're not certified like U.S. organic or certified locally organic. But when I compare them to the ingredients that I have used at my juice bars or some of my customers are using, it seemed like there was a vast range of nutrient density and color and flavor and just vibrance of these ingredients. And I think for me, it was really about unlocking that supply chain and thinking like, how can I just like bring something that I'm discovering to the masses? And so there were just the... Courtney, there are so many things that are spinning in my head, but at the beginning, I just wanted to like hold myself accountable for like starting the process, answering these questions that I had. What drives you? You know, there are a few things. One, I grew up with family members that had chronic disease, diabetes, you know, mental health problems. Very early on, I think before I even went to college, I knew that I wanted to work in health or at least I have impact in community health. I always thought it was interesting to know that like one in every three people by I think 2029 will be pre-diabetic or diabetic in the United States. And knowing what my family members had gone through has always been in the back of my mind, just chronic disease. Chronic disease is like the number one killer in the world when you think of it all together. And then when you attach food to that, and you hear all these quotes where it's like, let food be that medicine and you know, all these old sayings and spiritual sort of cultural relics that are around food that are becoming a lot more popular again, especially as we try to like disaggregate ourselves from industrialized food and we just try to like go back to our roots. But for me, when I was working in my first job, right around the time I started my first business, and I was spending time just commuting, walking to campus. And I realized I lived in a food desert just blocks away from one of the most endowed universities in the world, University of Chicago. Probably now it's like $8 billion endowment. But it, it didn't make sense to me that like I would have to go to the corner store for my friends and I like have brunch. And our, my orange juice option was like Mr. Pure. And I don't know if you know that in New York or whatever, but like in Chicago, it's just terrible. It's like Tropicana. It's like who wants something worse than Tropicana for their mimosas? I was like 20, 23 or something at the time. And I think that was a part of my experience where I just like having firsthand experience, not only like having a single mother growing up and trying to figure out healthy food, but living in this duality 
have, you know, good university with top researchers from around the world and also having food deserts blocks away. And then finally, the sort of social issues around, there's a lot, but Courtney, I mean, it's just been a part of my experience. Maybe that's just the core of Journey Foods. You know, it's, there's so many things that I can dive into, but, you know, going to Mexico in high school and knowing that I have family members that had never like seen a mango before and thinking about the fruits that young boys and girls have like on side roads and like in the middle of Guinea or Senegal and they have like literally such low rates of cancers and diabetes and obesity and all these areas and times in my life of exposure that really opened my eyes to the problems and the iniquities and the lack of thought and the lack of ethical thought in the food industry has been my driver. And I know that like, there's so many good things that most people in the world are not exposed to when it comes to the quality of good food. And that just excites me every single day. And so we can, this is a, it's a whole podcast to just talk about these experiences (laughs) and, you know, observations, but I have an endless list of things that sort of inspire me about my own experience and then the problems of the food industry in general. I can't wait to write a book about it. I can't wait to read it. Can you share how Journey Foods is now going to solve all of these problems or many of them? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of problems to solve in food and the way that we're attacking it is really through packaged foods. So every year, consumers spend about $3 trillion on packaged manufactured food. So this is not like going to the grocery store and buying broccoli or, or apples or anything. This is like everything else, the 40,000 SKUs in the grocery store, your Instacart or Amazon. It's like the RX bars and all these things that we get, you know, every day, powders and spices and just anything that goes through a manufacturing packaging process with a little bit of shelf stability. And we all know that like most of those products lead to one, environmental degradation, two, poor effects on our health from the various toxic ingredients, processing that takes place. It's not, that's foreign to our bodies. And then finally, accessibility and cost, right? There are, for a multitude of reasons, the costs that are associated with food, like don't always make sense or are not the most efficient. And so for us, we have these three pillars of, of data focus that we employ, and that is nutrition, sustainability, and costs. And we have three main goals with those undertones of data and goals. So we one, set out to be the world's most actionable food database for food businesses. Two, we want to make sure that every company that works with us saves a tremendous amount of time in getting their products to market or saving time iterating on their products that they already have in market. And then finally, we want to make sure that we help several thousand companies feed two billion people better. And so these $3 trillion that consumers spend every year on all of these many millions of products that we're purchasing every single day, we want to think about all of the human inefficiencies that have taken place 
especially in the past like 60, 70 years, because we just started with grocery stores and packaging of food really in mid 1900s. We want to make sure that we're looking through all of those gaps and finding those opportunities so that every single product that hits our store shelves and our homes is improved nutritionally, sustainably. It is better cost efficiencies for the end consumers and the companies that serve us. And then finally, that we get those out in much faster time. Coming up, you'll hear exciting projects in the pipeline for Journey Foods, Rihanna's experience fundraising, and the value of a strong company culture. Do you have any exciting projects in the pipeline for 2021? For Journey Foods? Yes. Yeah, I can talk about both because like one thing I was just talking to some students. I went to uh, UNC Chapel Hill for undergrad and I'm a Tar Hill and I was teaching an econ like 493 or something class yesterday and we were we were discussing a little bit about what excites us, but also just general what it means to be an entrepreneur and how you should always have sort of diversified stream of income and inspiration. But for me, I get so much enjoyment from like sitting on Dribble. I don't know if you've heard of that website. It's D-R-I-B-B-B-L-E and it's extra B there. But there are so many awesome designers around the world that are just creating great art, digital art. And so we want to be, you know, one of the best well-designed food technology platforms in the world. And I'm always drawing inspiration from artists. And so for me, that's always exciting. Upcoming exciting is like, how are we going to use data visualizations or 3D modeling or whatever there may be to help our customers work better? We also think of ourselves as sort of the future of work in the food industry. As more food operators are working remotely, less so in the lab or in manufacturing facilities. So like, what can we do to make that experience cooler? But what's exciting for us, and we will give you a little preview, is that one, we want Journey Foods to help pet food manufacturers. And so we're going to be launching some of that later this year. And we also want to, outside of just design and fun, make sure that we're giving more insights into cost. But I think finally, what's really exciting is that we're just trying to recruit awesome people, whether these are bloggers or nutritionists or data scientists. We just want like a really diverse, creative, entrepreneurial team. And I'm continually blown away by the folks that are looking to work with us and with me and and the rest of our team. And so it's always things to be excited about, but those are definitely the top three. How big is your team now? That's the interesting question. So if we take like all contractors and interns and internal team, I think it's 17 with a couple hires from this past week, but our core team is nine. When you're hiring people, what characteristics do you look for beyond the resume? So I love for people to have a little bit of an ego, but it's challenging. I know that's a weird question to say, but I want people, <laughs> I want people to like, honestly, I think great companies are built around good culture. Like if you can get that in when you're at our size or sooner, that's very important. It's hard to switch from that after you're 10, 20 people. But I love other entrepreneurs, right? Like I want you to want to be a thought leader, 
of course, this can come with some headbutting and there's things that you can't always trust there. But we're trying to change an industry. We're trying to change the way people work. We're trying to change you know, data and traditional processes of making food. We want to help not only every founder of a food company, but also these big you know, Fortune 500 global multinational food companies. And so when we're disrupting something so big, we need folks that are like hungry, creative, but also can like work on their own, see opportunities within the company and keep patching up, building, iterating. And so that's a big part of what we look for. Creativity, like, do you like to write? Do you want to blog? I force everyone on the team to blog. And sometimes it's a challenge, but I am always looking at like the top skills that are going to come down the pipeline in the next year, two years, decade. And I want everyone on my team to either continuously be learning and growing, or I know that like after they leave Journey Foods, they'll have a great job. And I would say that like 99% of the people that have worked for me at our company have gone on to do great things and have great positions. And so that's a big part of our culture is like growth, creativity, finding the skills that you need in the future or the skills that like create a high growth company and how you can employ those in your business practices or, you know, your business model. When did you decide that you would need to raise funding for Journey Foods? So we were the first year we had this product Journey Bites and we still release it in limited batches, but I really was, and most people thought we were just going to be like a scientific snack company, right? We were sort of talking about plant-based gelatins and microfoods and getting as many nutrients as possible in these new version of fruit snacks. And I love that. But for me, it was always limiting to how it was going to impact the market. Like, of course, fruit snacks are one of the most popular product types across the world. You can find a version of fruit snacks in almost every country, but we were just using it and I was just using it for like this data play. Like how can we use data to change cost and nutrition and the sustainability of a popular product type? And we started creating like more of a research and development strategy and intellectual property strategy early on. And those things cost a lot, right? Some companies spend up to 30% of their budget on R&D and filing for international patents can take anywhere from a few thousand to tens of thousands of dollars. And so we weren't just going to fund that through selling fruit snacks on Shopify or Amazon. And so it was very, very early on, on the first like six to nine months that we started to seek our pre-seed fundraising, which was a little over 400000 I'm very grateful that before I even stepped into it, Arlen Hamilton, the founder of Backstage Capital, just believed in me and wanted to support my next thing. And so they were actually our first check-in. And then we took some time to just research as much as possible and build the right early team and then raise money in early 2019, that pre-seed. Any tips you can share on the fundraising process? Be as organized and as communicative as possible. So one, you want to, and a lot of this advice is out there now. I have a lot of friends that like talk on it all the time and they love it. For me, it's exhausting. And I'm going to be honest, like I love just to work on my product, right? And I've found like a new sense of work-life balance that I just did not put in place before then. Maybe we'll talk about that. 
but it's a big strategy, right? Like you don't want to fundraise too long because people think something's wrong with your business model. You want to have everything in place before you go out and contact everyone. You should have, you should build like a list of dozens of investors and contacts that you want to go out to for like a, over a six week, maybe period. You should have a very organized folder, diligence folder that you're ready to present to investors. This includes everything from finances to your marketing strategy to legal documents. And so making sure that you sort of go through a test phase of fundraising early on with like friends that can give you money or former colleagues, whatever that may be. I would do like a small testing phase for a couple months where you really get all the documents and the pitch into place. If you don't go sort of like the accelerator route, which I think, you know, applying to accelerator is actually pretty, pretty helpful, especially if you're a minority led company or you have like a scientific or a complex company. I think everyone should look at quality accelerator to go through. But if you don't go through that, you definitely need to talk to some founders that have raised money before and have them look over what's called a data room. Because as soon as you get the interest of an investor or several investors, they're going to want to jump in to learning everything about your business. You should also have a fundraising strategy, like know how much money you need to get you through the next six months, 12 months, 24 months, and why you're going to spend it in certain ways and how it's going to get you to the next level of revenue. Those are my sort of quick shots there. I can always talk about that a little bit more, but be prepared to sleep and eat well during the process. I mean, you should always do this in life and entrepreneurs are not told enough about how we should manage our mental and physical health and energy, but it's very exhausting, especially if you're super excited about your product and you want to spend as much time as possible and make sure that the business is growing. So it's like working two jobs and you should be really prepared for that stage. Knowing what you know now about all of the ingredients and food and where food is made and sourced, what is your diet? What do you eat? What will you absolutely avoid? And what nutrition tips do you have for our listeners? Thanks for that question, Courtney. So it's always been interesting. I have to say my diet or whatever this is, I'm a flexitarian. And I, I like to say this because like essentially a lot of people think I'm vegan, vegetarian. I'm not. I am mostly vegan, vegetarian. I would say that like I do not buy meat for my home. I do buy fish sometimes, like salmon or some special fish that I don't sell, like Whole Foods or something. But I am mostly vegan, vegetarian. I eat fish a couple times a week. And I eat meat like when I want to. And what I mean by that is if I travel somewhere and if I'm in Mexico or if I'm in, you know, southern Portugal and there is like a chorizo underground restaurant or something special, like I'm going to try it, right? Like, so the flexitarian in me is like, does not limit awesome food experiences around the world or at events or at people's homes if they have something special. But in terms of like my kitchen, my day-to-day, I try to keep out as much dairy, sort of inflammatory ingredients as possible. I try to, I don't really have like food dyes or anything in my diet, mostly natural food dye ingredients. And there's a lot more of those coming into the market that are even, that are from, you know, natural algae based 
extracts like for blue dyes and green dyes, beets and things for like red dyes. So I try to find as many natural additives to products as possible. The one thing that's happening though with a lot of plant-based foods is they're becoming pretty processed, you know, plant-based butters and meats and things. And so sometimes you can't just have like those alternatives from the grocery store. You just have to bring it back raw. So I would say every four to six weeks, I try to spend a week going as raw as possible, uncooked, unprocessed food and reset my body. And then of course, lots of water and green juices throughout when you can. So important. Is your whole team working remotely right now? Yes, but you know, we try to do remote first culture. We have some blogs that we've written about how we do like we'll do brunch and I'll send everybody DoorDash cards or something like that and we'll just like pancake day and coding or wait pancakes and blogs. I don't know. But I had an employee actually like one of my team members moved from Switzerland to four blocks from me last week. So we're semi-remote now. We have so many people are about to move to Austin. I'm very excited about that. We're going to the office maybe one or two times a week, but remote first. I think, however, having more people in the same time zone is really important, or at least, you know, one to two hour max difference. If you're too distributed or asynchronous, it can be quite Right, problematic. And if it comes down to that, then you should probably have like group some of your teams, like have the coders and developers working more similar hours, marketers, growth team members and similar hours so they can have more collaborative working sessions. We do a lot more open sessions now, so we don't have any agendas. We just sit on the computer and sort of whiteboard and and chat with one another and answer random questions. So we block those off throughout the week so that we can have more productivity hours. But there are several different strategies we've employed, but definitely a remote first culture. Is there a mistake that you can think of looking back that you really learned from and you would like to share with our audience so that they can avoid making that same mistake? Like a million mistakes, of course. (laughs) Worst mistake. (laughs) Worst mistake. Honestly, it was hiring and getting someone who was a white male who I had been friends with. I wanted him on the team, not because I think he was the best person to do the job, but I was just starting my first couple of businesses I bootstrapped or taken in like very little amount of money. So when, when I first was raising venture capital from a first software company, I, I thought like I needed a white male to be here in all these meetings. And essentially that relationship was not like fruitful enough and it caused a lot of problems because my strategy was really for the fundraising and not for the dynamics of teamwork and collaboration and communication and other values that we just didn't align on. And so for me, and I think the data is coming out quite widely now with a lot of surveys, but I believe on Twitter, I saw 63% of early team member failures and shakeups are associated with startup failure. Like 63% of startup failure can be associated with like early team member or co-founder problems. And so I would say that first true team, not like maybe some of your contractors, but that first, those first core team members, like you really, really need to have as much 
quality, honest communication day to day, but as well as about your goals and your vision. I make sure that that alignment's there and have touch back in, you know, monthly, quarterly, because that is just like such a big part of strife building companies. That's like your, you know, your work husband, your work wife, like you're talking to this person all the time like even on the weekends. And that can be very stressful. We've all gone through heartbreak and like going through that, it's just like, gosh, like it's just like, it's tough, you know? And so I hope everyone can really think about like those early relationships that you build in a company and how to find communication strategies to like really resolve as many things as possible, like throughout the entire length of your business. That's such good advice. What would you say scares you the most in business? For now, for Journey Foods, what scares me and the team is not having actionable enough data. And so we even had a conversation earlier about the biases of creating surveys, creating different data models. Like, how do we find the best advisors, consumers, team members that can make sure that the data that we're pulling together and the data methodology we have works, right? Like, are we asking the right questions about like, how you look at a food product, are we asking a right amount of people about how much they would spend on, you know, a burger, a plant-based burger? Are we asking enough people about the nutrition or the allergies or how they care about their end product? And how does that boil up to what the companies need? And so I think the efficacy of our data is what scares me the most because that's what we're setting out to build. And just not having happy team members. I think about that every day. Like, how can we, how can I have happy, thriving team members? Like, are we doing everything we need to do to keep a happy, healthy team? And I've not always done the best job at that. Like, that comes with leadership. I started entrepreneurship early. Like, if I really think about my earliest days of, like, creating a revenue-generating company, I was in college. But, like, I decided I was not for politics or, you know, I was, I spent time working at the White House or even there. I, that was not for me. Like the regular nine to five was not for me. And I jumped in it really early. And so I have family members that have run small businesses, but not scaled up, you know, venture backed or, you know, global companies or anything. And so there are times when I've like been asked to go speak in South Korea. Right. And I forget like how that affects other team members. Like, How does my communication and leadership affect my team? And so I'm continuously learning leadership and leadership coaching and leadership growth should be a part of any entrepreneur's journey. And I want to continue to make sure that I can create a happy team and happy leadership values for them. Up next, a surprise rapid fire question series with Rihanna. We'll learn all about her favorite snacks and the next place she wants to travel and how she is becoming a better dancer. All right, Rihanna, we're going to do something fun to get to know you even a little bit better. So we're going to do some quick rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. What is your favorite quarantine snack? Wow. Probably a daily harvest smoothie, but like super snack, just like out of the bag. That's a hard one. Okay. I'm supposed to rapid fire. on, this. <laughs> on, on, on. Yeah, Whatever. Comes, first, first thing that comes to mind. Daily harvest works. 
No, Journey Bites. I'm going to have to say that. I'm really sorry. But like we have these like mango cayenne and strawberry chia bites that I have so many of and we sell those here and there. But Journey Bites and then there's this prickly pear snack food company, like this prickly pear jerky that's out here. And so I'm just like a fan of snacks that have a little bit of spice to them, like a fruit spice mix. That's my like go-to. Yum. Who is someone you've always wanted to meet? Oh my God. People are going to get on me for this. Well, I've always wanted to meet Bill Gates. And I know that sounds like so cliche or something, but I got to meet Melinda this year and talk to her. And so maybe I should just like throw that out. And I would love to meet Shonda Rhimes. Like she's a Chicago lady. She's creative. And the thing about her is like, she keeps bringing on the wins, you know, like how do you recenter and like, make sure that you find something that your audience is going to love. And so I would love to talk to her about longevity and creativity. If you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? No restrictions. You can just get on a plane and go. Don't worry about anything else in the world. (laughs) Sure. I think I would love to go to Mozambique. Yes. like I love Lusophone countries. I love countries that speak Portuguese. And I love countries with a lot of like wild animals and great food. And so Mozambique has a great combination of that. I hope their flooding is better now, but I would love to go there. What's the best thing to happen to you this month? This month, January. Wow. This has been fun. <laughs> we'll take it. All right. Entrepreneurs of Podcast. Uh, okay, wait, I, have to do a, I have to do a second one. Okay. So obviously Tuesday night when I read a tweet that said, this is the last day that we will never have a, oh, yes, like I saw a, not that a one. woman that yes. is like not a vice president. So this week, you know, like I haven't seen Trump's face all week or a tweet. So it's like this week is great. <laughs> and I'm just like very excited for like women in politics. So in science, let me put that there. We now have a president that cares a lot about science. And that excites me a lot. I'm very excited for Journey Foods and many other startups that are focused on the future of changing like so many things through more research. Describe yourself in three words. Creative, observant, resilient. What's the first thing you notice about someone when you first meet them? Their eyes. (laughs) 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 It doesn't have to be physical. Sorry. Yeah. Their eyes. Yeah. By, so this is weird, but a lot of people tell me I have these like big Bambi eyes. And so like, <laughs> it's just like become a thing for me. I don't know. Maybe it's like sort of a subconscious thing, but I think you can always read a lot about like someone's joy or pain or anger or needs through their eyes. And so I start to, it raises my EQ to sort of observe that. What is something that you wish you were good at or could be good at? I cannot dance. Like I don't have good rhythm. When I was in high school, I used to want to do like those shows on MTV where they would like take you and train you. And so I obsessively watched dance 
making choreography videos, these dance video videos on YouTube sometimes, get go through these rabbit holes. And I really wish I could dance. So like one day I'll have to just try it, but I'm like terrible at dancing. Here's my digit card for that one. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it. I actually have a random question that is not planned, but just based on an observation. What does the sign behind you say? It says tomorrow can change if we... And then it's blocked. Oh, sorry. That's <laughs> if we move we today. Move, move ah. today. What does that mean? I mean, you can switch it out for different words. I got it from Chicago Ideas Week. It's a great conference in Chicago. But they gave us a few different words to switch out here. And it's like move, act, like sleep. I don't know, today. But obviously, we shouldn't pay too much attention to the past or the future and really just relish in the present. But of course, we still have a moment now to enjoy that and then change a little bit of tomorrow. I love that. Brianna, do you believe in work-life balance? Is that a thing for you? I didn't. And then when I look back, I started, I was like sort of embarrassed at my prior self. I used to be that person that would like wake up at 4.30, like do emails and all that stuff. And now I realize with balance, you know, going, finding my creative side, I do like a little sculpting here and there. I like to even get into a little bit more music now. And I learned that that helps me create this balance and this creative sort of energy that helps pour back into my work life. And so I believe in work-life balance more than ever, especially after 2020. Wow. Such a drain on all of us, this Zoom life. We need Zoom life balance. But <laughs> for me, and I, this is actually some inspiration recently, but there was a quote that said, like, we work all these years up until 65, when the average lifespan of a woman is like until 78. So we work all these years to retire to only enjoy 13 sort of final years where you're, you're just trying to stay alive, right? And it's like, we need to enjoy every year now. Who told us like, that's not even normal. Like these are some capitalism rules of, of today. And of, of course, like I am and journey foods and so many things are products of venture and capitalism, but like we need to shift these models and think about how we can thrive every year of our lives. And that's why work-life balance is becoming more of something that I try to observe and shift all the time. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra that defines your perspective on life or work? You know, honestly, I built this random notion board earlier, like last year, like maybe six months ago, where I took all these naval Ravikant quotes. And I really don't remember a lot of people's quotes. So just like I'm randomly inspired by them day to day. And I, <laughs> you guys, all the listeners are going to think I'm like super into myself. But like my quote that I remember, because I just, that's, I'm more of a visual person, to be honest, is that exposure is the life's greatest professor. And that is my quote. I'm sticking by it. And I hope everyone remembers that like your best experience, especially with all the ways that education is being disrupted today, like your best lessons in life will come from nothing other than stepping out there and getting the exposure. Brianna, finally, what does being an entrepreneur mean to you? It means, wow, I like that question because Anista, you know, it's like, it means freedom. It means the future of women. It means 
so many unheard voices. When I first started my entrepreneurship journey, just a few months later, I got the opportunity to work at the White House. I went to work with the first Black family. I was inspired by both Barack and Michelle. And I was able to work on the Council of Women and Girls. And what I realized there, I learned so much about domestic violence and the pipeline of women in STEM and, you know, well-paying jobs, so many things that keep us women down. And actually, to answer one of the earlier questions, half of the sky is held up by women. And I always think about this quote, but like, women only own about anywhere from one to 10% of land across the world. And when I think of this mantra, you know, half the sky and about women, for me, I hope that I can inspire the next round, the next cohort, the next generation of badass women that will hopefully hold up and own half the sky and half of the land and continue to make and drive the changes that we need because most men are not holistic enough in their approach to solving problems. And I'm very excited for what the future is as if we can get more women to become entrepreneurs to solve the biggest challenges that lie ahead of us. Yeah. So being an entrepreneurista is just like building my shoulders up so uh, the women in the future, young girls in the future can stand on them. And, and that's, that's what also keeps me ticking. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share a little bit of, of my journey here with you all. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and story. And I know we're going to continue to stay in touch and follow all of the, the great things you're about to accomplish. I know you're just getting started. So we're, we're honored that you took the, the time to sit down with us. So thank you so much for being here. Where can everyone find you and follow you? Um, and of course, if people want to buy Journey Bites, where can they buy those too? Well, yeah, so Journey Bites, we just sort of limited batches here and there, but please sign up for our newsletters. If you run a food company, work at a food company, know a food company that you want us to service, um, you can add our newsletter, journeyfoods.io. Journey Foods for all of our social channels or Journey Foods IO. And then for me, Rihanna Lynn, R-I-A-N-A-L-Y-N-N, literally everywhere. And I hope to connect with so many of your listeners. Thank you, Stephanie and Courtney. Thank you so much. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneurs. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstapodcast.com. Thanks for listening.